Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop thing. Today I am as always Elaine, and with me there is still only one person. It's Sybil! Hello, Sybil! What are we doing today? We are bowling for soup and regretting every pin we hit with the 2002 album Drunk Enough to Dance. I had thought that Bowling for Soup were just kind of like a gag band. Sort of a they might be giant see, hey, we're upbeat and we do covers and lighthearted things and we're safe for your children. So this album went a lot of places immediately that I didn't expect. Yeah, this is, um, I mean, we say it a lot on this podcast. This is insult shit. <laughs> Little of that, but also just, this is more lit than lit in a lot of ways. And it explains a lot about why they were hanging around with the SR-71 guy. But yeah, just as, as, you know, as mentioned, that was my experience too. I only knew the singles from Bowling for Soup. And the singles are fine. The Girl of the Bad Guys want is solid. The other one, uh, Pop Punk 101, is our interlude Ugh. for this podcast. What? Speaking of videos that didn't need to exist. Oh, come on. It's sort of fun. I suppose. We will get there. Anyhow, Sybil, you did the research this week. Can you tell us a bit about how did... Uh, I was about to say they might be giants, because <laughs> now I have them in the brain. <laughs> can you tell us a bit about how they might be giants came to be so we can listen to good things? No. Well, there were two men named John. But no, can you tell us a bit about Bowling for Soup and how they came for, to be? So, most of the members of the band met in the mid-80s, although two of them, Jarrett Reddick, the lead singer, and the original drummer Lance Morrill, met in the late 70s, where they were in fact kindergartners who grew up together. And in their teens, they started playing instruments. Guitarist Chris Burney met them in high school, and they were all influenced by your 80s metal, but not good 80s metal, your 80s hair metal. And third string, like, they cited Rat and Quiet Riot, as well as Early Green Day. Uh, I didn't expect that. 
and they all got their start performing publicly because Bernie's family owned a coffee house with a stage, and they played there with the original band that they had together, The Persecuted. And that's how they met Eric Chandler. Oh, are they a Christian band? God, I wish. <laughs> they have some amazing band names throughout this. I'm just going to speed through all of the things that sort of swing together until in the late uh, 90s they all become an actual group and become Bowling for Soup. So, The Persecuted begat The Folka Dots, and then okay. on the other end of town you had Gary and the Wise Man. But then, sure. multiple members of this decided to form the band Slaw, while another party formed Terminal Seasons. And then there was Cool Fork, all one word and in lowercase. But <laughs> okay. after forming Rubberneck, all of these bands collapsed together into Bowling for Soup, based on a Steve Martin comedy skit. Uh, so the actual group, by the time they become Bowling for Soup, are Jarrett Reddick on lead vocals and guitar, uh, Chris Burney on guitar and backing vocals... Eric Chandler, bass, backing vocals, and acoustic guitar. And Lance Morrill on drums, percussion, and I'll bet you'll be surprised, backing vocals. Yay. Morrill would leave the band... Everyone does backing vocals. ...in 1998 and be replaced by Gary Wiseman. No word on whether or not he becomes anything other than a drummer. There's only so many spots for microphones. And... I forget if I mentioned, but this was all happening in Texas, also known as Fool's Canada. So they all moved elsewhere in the state in 96, Denton, and they start recording studio albums for a music label in the area called FFROE. I have no idea of anything about that because it turns out that's really hard to Google for a dead label that was only in one chunk of the country. Wait, can you explain to me the Texas-Canada connection? I always saw them as sort of opposite. I just wanted to say Fool's Canada. <laughs> it was a really good joke that was in my head. Like, my Im image of Canada is, like, very polite, very nice, very not sand. My image of Texas is sand and people shooting at you. Imagine five Yosemite Sams on the edge of a stage. That's bowling for soup. <laughs> Oh, sure. <laughs> Rack and frack em, varmints. Actual lyrics, probably. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Uh, their <laughs> album with this smaller label sells over 10,000 copies and brings Jive Records in to pick up the band. Nice. All of them start touring around on and off in the late 90s and then... They actually do have a few side projects, some of them do, but that comes later than this. And then they break big with Let's Do It For Johnny on Jive Records in 2000. It was one of those major label debuts where you just record the best of your prior stuff and put it together, and nobody knows it's a compilation because they've never heard of you. This would also start a trend where the band just keeps doing... I don't know if I would say inappropriate yet covers, but they did a cover of the Brian Adams song, Summer of 69. 
Nice. That's interesting. I like the cover on this record. Yeah. The the Iran cover? Yeah. Oh, I hated that. I think it's I don't think it's anything special, but we'll talk about it. It's like it's a rock version of a song that I've never heard covered much, and I think it's actually a good song. And uh I don't know, I enjoyed it. Okay. Here we are in late 2002, where they have a second album, Drunk Enough to Dance. This actually got them a Grammy nomination, but... Oh, Pop Punk got Grammy nominated? Yep. Uh, Girl All the Bad Guys Want was nominated in Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals category. (laughs) I love the Grammy category. (laughs) Best performance by a band with vocals. Well, you know, you can also have, like, the Herb Alpert brand. And the what? The Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass Band. They just did, uh, instrumentals. Spanish Flea was one of theirs. Sorry, every time I, you say Grammy, just like that scene from The Simpsons starts playing on loop. <laughs> The, uh, it's just a Grammy. Oh, it's just a Grammy. Yeah, I know the one you mean. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what the, that and like The Weeknd not getting nominated for like even one Grammy as the two, are the two things that identify with the Grammys nowadays. Dad, you beat Dexy's Midnight Runners. They'll be back. <laughs> I remember yeah. a lot of that episode. Uh, that episode is actually the first episode when the Twitter game, when it's like, post the first episode near your date of birth of The Simpsons. That, that is the one for me. The B-Sharps? Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. Anyhow. Do you know what my first Simpsons episode was? Simpsons episode one? Yeah, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Or Simpsons roasting mm. on an open fire. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You, 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 you are the old lady of the podcast. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I brought up the Grammys for is because Reddick loves that he got not a nomination, but worst dressed in Time magazine. Anyhow, is that anything about this record? Someone who produced it? That was Butch Walker. Yeah, that was the guy from Marvelous 3 who did a lot of production with various acts you've probably heard of, like Bowling for Soup, All American Rejects. Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Avril Lavigne, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, and your favorite, Dashboard Confessional. I'm sorry, Sybil, you've missed our favorite. We haven't talked about Wither in a while. The new I record is out. wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Van Wither is out. I have not. I only heard the single. <laughs> it's really bad. I'm still incredibly upset that Van Weezer is a thing. Do you remember when Weezer unironically said disco sucks in like 2015, despite by the point everyone recognizing the 
you know, racist and homophobic origin of that movement. I feel like... I feel like if you're Weezer, you haven't spoken to a black person in over ten years at that point. So, what are you going to know? <laughs> that is the members of Weezer are so white and straight that they think RuPaul is a nice professional young man. <laughs> Anyhow... Yeah, Weezer. Um, yeah, this is the record. And uh, how does it do commercially? The album landed at 129 on the top 200. Girl All the Bad Guys Want would make it to 64 on the Hot 100. And on various other charts, placed as high as 17 on top 40 mainstream. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it's definitely one of the... I don't know, best songs on the record. They're all kind of medium, but it has a funny video. So I think that helped. Every video on this album is trying to be a comedy bit. And that's the one that succeeds the most. Anyhow, so this was the record. This was, did really good. You know, we know that not everyone gets to the hot hundred in pop punk. You always remember pop punk being this big thing at the time, but... It was really only three bands. Yeah, it was really, like, it was three bands, and then the the mid-2000 came, and it was three other bands, but it was always three bands. There are three seats on the altar of pop punk, and only three people can sit there. Let us talk about the record with the first track, which is I Don't Wanna Rock. the title of the song. My first note is funny title. That, that, that is a good... I don't like this song. <laughs> uh, uh, but I like the title of the song. Like, you know, like, I wanna rock, but I don't wanna rock. That's clever. That's the cleverest they've be, they, they are on the whole record. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is not mm. that clever, but it is... It is their peak. <laughs> they... I've never... I don't think we've ever had a band that peaked with the title of their first track. Just the title, and then it's all downhill from there. Uh, but now we do. Spoiling for Soup. And... This is... Okay. Jarrett uh, Reddick's voice. Very unfitting for these tracks. He has, he has the most stereotypical pop-punk voice ever. He is definitely a top three candidate. And it's contrasted with, like, very... You made a good example. This is, like, lit Mitzerzer 71, but with more polish. Like, with someone telling them to not do stupid things. But no one is telling them not to do stupid things. Well, musically, at least. I think this musically is just... Extremely competent and boring, just like rock. 
like there is pop punk there there is punk but it's in the most like it's the most square punk even for pop punk in this case there's a lot of again you can hear the hair metal you can hear the classic rock influences and it sort of melts together in this sort of rock sludge not to be confused with sludge metal which is a way better genre uh but it melts together in this rock sludge that's perfectly fine they have some good pop melodies here and there but it's also not worth commenting about most of the times and you're right it is a bit too not pop punky for jared's like extremely pop punk voice yeah i was really surprised by the album is by and large all but rock nothing nothing otherwise and his vocals are just straight out of the Blink catalog, the Sum 41 playbook. Oh, there's a song later in the record that is literally just in too deep. Yep. Literally the same. I think Sum 41 is one of the best comparisons because, yeah, both of those groups, both of these groups, were very... We came up in the 80s and we learned from all the hair metal and we're hard rock. We're not pop punk. Uh, you're really not amazing is what you are. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say some 41 in the record that we listen is better than this. But part of that, I think, is the fact that they are uh, close to 10 years younger. Yeah, and close to half of the length of this record, which is one hour for 20 tracks. The other thing I want to talk about is this song feels, and uh, looking at these lyrics, I don't know if I just couldn't pick this out, because a lot of this album is mixed really poorly. Vocals get drowned out by guitar a lot. Oh, really? I haven't noticed that. This seemed perfectly fine to me. About the point where I was writing down sparse lyrics in my notes, suddenly I just overwrote that with an all caps WHAT because I heard the line, and she makes me want to be a homosexual. Yay! <laughs> Maybe I'll be your best friend. Maybe see you naked once in a while. Yeah, this is where... I, I guess this is the opposite of that one Billie Eilish show song. The worst Billie Eilish song she ever did. But, uh, yeah. That lyric aside, that's just the problematic opener to what comes next. This is the piss song. This is the one where I just immediately went, oh, these guys seem like assholes. Okay, but that chorus, though. Eh. This is a very Oasis chorus. There are a couple of songs that remind me of that. Um, that sort of British, like, pop in general. The... That sort of Britpop era. 
I, d I don't have the musical knowledge to tell you why, but this definitely sounds very Oasis on this base of pop punk still, of like sort of like straightforward butt rock pop punk. And I think it's a very good chorus. I think I could leave, take or leave the rest of the song, but also, yeah, let's talk about the lyrics. This record is sort of fine musically, it's not great, it's fine, it has some highs and no real low, but it's generally pretty flat. So most of this episode will be us, like, making fun of these awful lyrics, because Bowling for Soup is a band that really tries for comedy and often ends up in weird incel shit. It's... When they're not offensive, they're bland lyrically. That's the problem. When they're not when they're not offensive, they're not trying for comedy. There's a song later where I'm like, okay, this is a good setup. What's the joke? And there's no joke. <laughs> Anyhow, Emily. So yeah, um, starts out with a harp. Rough. Starts out with a harp, then you hear Joanna Newsome voice that sort of squeal that at the beginning is sort of uncomfortable, but then you realize that it blends really well with the harp and the strings. And uh, and yeah, and it's 20 minutes long, so that's most of the record. Uh, it's a great song, one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> For a second I thought you were saying that Emily is 20 minutes long. It's like, oh god, it was bad, but it didn't feel that bad. <laughs> The Bowling for Soup are doing like a big, you know, are also doing their big like folk, uh, avant folk, font folk pop over, like, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Twenty minutes of Bowling for Soup. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would come out? What do you think would come out if you go to Bowling for Soup and you're like, okay, we're gonna pay you for this new record. You just need to make a twenty minute song. What do you think Bowling for Soup would do to make a twenty minute song? Bitches Crystal by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <laughs> okay, I don't know that one. Uh, it's one of the more embarrassing tracks on one of their albums. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <sighs> Anyhow, <laughs> we, are, we keep stalling on this song. <laughs> it's because this is the song that is, Hey, I cheated on you, and then... You kicked me out, so I traded up. Fuck you. <laughs> but it's the band that somehow tops that message with this being the Piss Cop video. <laughs> uh, yeah, the video is about some them being at a show and having to pee, and uh, someone is guarding the... Someone is guarding the door of the bathroom, and this already sounds like the something that would get read on S plus, so you know, that's great. All four members of the band have to pee, but they need to find ways to do it since there's a long line for the men's room being enforced by a bouncer. Mm-hmm. So shall we break down their solutions in order? Go for it. I love hearing about piss. The largest member of the band who is wearing a very Kevin Smith-style jersey and jorts combo in most of the shots we see of him, trades clothes with a random woman at the club, puts on some lipstick, and then the guard is like, okay, yeah, go into the ladies' room. And I don't know how I feel about this, for a lot of reasons, but the guard is like, 
yes, this seems to be your identity. Cool. So, hooray. And flaps her ass, which is... It is a lot of ass. I would say, I, I was about to say that this made you discover something about yourself, but then I realized, yeah, that already happened. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you have to send this video back in time to tease me. Sending <laughs> uh, bowling for soup to eggs. And if this is what makes me come out, we have other problems. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine if that was the conversation we were having right now with no Adam here and you had to deal with that alone. <laughs> I mean, look, you would not have been the first person in the last six months whose eggs just broke down in, in the middle of a conversation with me. So, like, you know, I, I have experience. I, I, I would probably be mildly helpful. <laughs> I still stand with the theory that you became trans because you were in a podcast with two other trans people and you we infect people. Um, <laughs> so, you know. That's fair. Anyhow, don't start the podcast with uh, two trans people, otherwise, unless you want to take estrogen at some point. I thought Adam was fixing that. Like, uh, at least you want to, you want to take hormone change from that, that. That is good. Right. We, we, need to be, we need to be inclusive. Um, fair. We love our trans mask brothers and whoever is in between. Yep. So, back to the pissed. <laughs> back to the pissed cough. Back to the pissed cough. <laughs> the second decides to just go outside the club and do it that way and come back in. The third pisses into a rich guy's drink when he's not looking. And then for the rest of the video, everyone is just pointing over at him and laughing as he drinks it. And then, probably the actual laugh that got me the most in this video, is the fourth just walks back on and they're like, yeah, everyone's partying, we've all solved our problem. And someone eventually goes, wait, what did he do? And looks down and sees that he just pissed himself. And the, uh, the chubby one, who is still wearing the dress and lipstick, just gives him a big old hug. He's like, yeah, bro code. <laughs> And that's how the video ends. Yeah. And everyone in Bowling for Soup managed to piss. I do appreciate that the video has nothing to do with the song lyrics. Yeah. It's like, yeah. The, the, video, the video is weird, but it's not awful. The song lyrics are, uh, no. Let's talk about Girl All the Bad Guys Won. Yeah, this is the song that I knew from them. I don't mind the song. It's fine. It's a fine poppy rock song. Uh, I really like the video from this because they sort of like dress like a lot of pop, no, sorry, a lot of new metal acts of the time. Like they dress like Limp Bizkit, they dress like, what's the name of the, I, I know that video was that like Disturbed or something? Stained. The guy? Stained, right, Stained. They. All of this band, Disturbed is more metal, all of this band name sort of mesh together for me, like this sort of 2000 metal. So I looked 
way too much into this video because I wanted to check all my references. And we have one of them doing the It's Been a While video from Stained, except it's very comedic. And they're also saying that, oh, yeah, he's got this look on his face and it's like, oh, it's because he's constipated. He's on a toilet. That's sort of funny, though. That's an easy joke, but come on. That's funny. It's fair. And in the other parody, we have them doing a Limp Biscuit parody of Break Stuff, where uh, there's a lot more jokes in the Limp Biscuit half, like all of the band wearing Fred Durst's red cap at one point, um, a few of the a few extras dressed as the members of Slipknot just like coming into the video and just messing with them because you know. Limp Biscuit and Slipknot don't like each other. It's 2002, and you actually remember that in the future, I'm sure. Was that a thing? Yes. Okay. And uh, the large gentleman, Chris Burney, dresses up as Wes Borland, doing the face paint and everything. And it's it's actually a pretty good visual, because all he's doing is standing there and just making the Wes Borland face. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, we'll stock 99 references, though, so some pointing enough from that. For that? I mean, do you think Bowling for Soup were sober enough to have listened to the news to hear that Woodstock 99 happened? <laughs> I'm sure Bowling for Soup's main source of news is MTV News, so yes. Do you know, did I mention earlier, what they lost the Grammy for this song to? What? They lost the Grammy for this song too. Hey Baby by No Doubt. Okay. I don't remember the song specifically, but... Hey, baby, hey, baby, hey, boy, say, boy, say, hey, baby, hey, baby, hey, right. I'ma do reggae for an hour. Right. Yeah, that one. Right. Okay. Hmm. Um. <laughs> That's an award-winning track. I mean, yeah. Gwen Stefani was the girl all the bad guys in Hollywood wanted. I mean, the Grammys are their own thing, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's like the Oscar, right? I don't know why people care, because, like, you know it's gonna be shit. <laughs> you know the Grammys ain't gonna be great. <laughs> why are you so, why are, why are people so invested in them? Sometimes I still see people, like, pissed off at, like, the Oscars or the Grammy, and it's like, you know that's not gonna be good. You know that the good stuff will not actually get get a get an award. So why do you care? Anyhow, the weekend was dropped. Ha! <laughs> <sighs> uh, but no, the guys are the, the, the. What are the lyrics? The lyrics are about the the, the singer for bowling for soup having a big hard on for like a gal that's into new metal, and yep. being like. Uh, it's your last, and uh, it's your last, and we're not gonna do anything. Um, I don't know. There are some good lyrics in this for like actual comedy value. Yeah, some of them are not bad. Cause she's watching wrestling, creaming over tough guys, listening to rap metal, turntables in her eyes. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know what does she wears it two way. Oh, she wears a two way. Okay, I misunderstood the lyrics. 
Yeah, pager. Yeah. Which would have been dated in 2002. I think by 2002 people were still using them, but I wasn't con- much conscious in 2002, so I cannot really tell you. I guess I had a cell phone by this point, but it was a very basic one, so maybe. I feel like you would have had a full phone instead of a two-way at this point. My own curse sentence on this is that my main knowledge of pagers is just like watching scrubs where everyone had pagers. Yeah, pagers are still a thing mostly for doctors. Okay, I was expecting that to kill you. I'm not, I don't, I don't pin you as like a person who enjoys scrubs. Um, I think there's some actual good stuff in that show, but the further into it you get, the much worse it is. The much the, the more they try to be like a real dramatic and emotional show, and it's like... You know, I think one or two of those work just because they're such a good swerve and you have actual actors involved, but yes. A lot of the joke aged very poorly. That show was... Yup. Surprisingly homophobic. <laughs> Zach Braff. There, I found your problem. Oh, yeah, the, the Wither of Movies. Yeah. Hmm. The Weezer of Movies is a great descriptor. Thank you. I'm stealing that. No problem. Zach Braff is the anti-Zack Snyder. It's all I'll say. Remember, or by the way, we haven't mentioned this because we mentioned the line because she's watching wrestling, creaming over tough guys. Remember when watching wrestling was cool? It still is. There's AEW. Yeah, but now it's like... Now it's like weirdo millennial cool. Back then was mainstream cool. It still kinda is. It's just not at those heights. Like back then, like frat boys watched wrestling, or so I hear. Uh, they definitely did. I'm not imagining frat boys right now watching the you know forty minutes Naito Okada match from uh, from Wrestle Kingdom. Probably not that. They're probably watching AEW or WWE. Ah, maybe in less quantities, I don't know. Wrestling, to me, wrestling in the current age has a very, like, darky nerd connotations. And uh, I feel it was very different back then. We live in a time where most people's parents grew up playing video games, so... Mm, that is fair. The generations, they are a shift in. This is the one that was mixed so terribly I could not hear the vocals. Could you hear the bells at the end? The wonderful bells the production added? No? I don't have a note oh, yeah. about them. Yeah, the last verse, or like the last outro bit, is like a Christmas song. It has little shiny bells in the production to make it really, <laughs> really poppy. It's also weird that this just goes into Spanish for a verse. Oh yeah, they do that a lot. Have you ever heard No Hablo Inglés, which is a song that they did? Which I'm not sure if it's offensive. It's like... Uh... I haven't, but I'm now curious. Should I look this up? Sure. I mean, you get the joke after like... 
a minute, so it's not going to take a lot. You know what? This is not the worst joke. Yeah. And just like, I don't know how it relates to the cultural positioning of like Mexican-American people. And uh, I'm sure there were definitely some who laughed. Yeah. Also, there's a couple extra jokes in this video that are actually really getting just scrolling over the audience and randomly flashing the words cougars love it. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> yeah, okay. I will give tentative approval to this after listening to about a minute. But yeah, the the the, the song that we're talking about on and on goes for a bit in Spanish and the joke is that Oh, I'm not now going to say the thing that I said in Spanish, but in English again. Yeah, they, they repeat the same verse three times, but one of them is Spanish to break it up. Yeah. And it's a love song. And... Oh, no, this song is sarcastic. Is it? Oh, let me... I'm happy again to be stuck here again, and you're happy again to be stuck here again. Maybe this time you can crawl inside your little world, make out with another girl. If it were up to me, I'd like to. Yeah, yeah, right. That line is very confusing. Now you can scream about the little things, slap me twice across the face. I don't think this song is a love song. That is fair. I retract my statement. What if the meme sarcasm needs clarity of purpose? I don't feel that chorus comes off as very sarcastic. It's just like... There's not a joke in the sarcasm of the chorus, which makes it a bit weird. I think if I only listened to this, I would also probably not be able to tell, because with the mixing, I had to keep the lyrics open on this one while I was taking notes. Yeah, I mean, don't we all? It's, uh, sometimes it's... I, I didn't feel that, but I understand that. Uh, but also, like, most of the time I don't get the lyrics at the first listen anyway, because language barrier, so... I feel you're more equipped to judge this thing than me. And judge them I shall. Zero to ten. Give a vote to this song. Uh, honestly, I'd give it a six. It's not the worst on the album by any means. Yeah. It's just like, this album has a weird tone. It's like weirdly spiteful. Like very consistently spiteful. Surf Colorado. Give me, Sibyl, give me some cultural context for Colorado. What does Colorado culturally represent in the mind of an American? I'm going to look up any facts about the state because I just know it as the place that multiple of my relatives live and it's completely landlocked, which would be why there's no surf. Yeah, that's, that's the joke they're making fun of the whole time. This is a good tune. I don't mind this musically. It's one of the most effective pop songs. Honestly, not terrible. It would be a 
three and a half star song. Yeah, this is sort of where the album slows down a bit. Like, all of the stuff before this was pretty poppy, and this stuff is still pretty poppy, but we're slowly entering the ballad zone. Surf Colorado is definitely, uh, I don't know, a less sarcastic, more ballady song. It doesn't need to be 20 tracks. It really doesn't need to be 20 tracks. Yeah, these drag. But yeah, this is a breakup song. Yep. The, the thing about this music is that it's so standard, it's so like middle of the way rock that it's like, it is not bad, but even like Blink has more personality than this musically. Like Blink is not, you know, Blink is sort of like a standard pop punk band, but they sort of get weird sometimes and have some interesting music stuff, especially in the record coming next from them. This is just completely flat and standard, polished, but still, like, this is not even the starting line standard. This is so polished that it doesn't even really sound like punk anymore. And um, it's not bad. Like, this is a good song, but sort of boring to talk about musically. <laughs> it's just nothing to say about so many angry breakup songs that don't go far. It's sort of weird how the sort of video altered the perception of a band. Like, Bowling for Soup, you're right. For most people, it's like, oh, it's the funny band. It's the band that does the funny thing. And they eventually became that, I think. To an extent, but especially this this first couple of successful records are very. There is an amount of trying to go for humor, but a lot of it is just like relationship songs, and these are pretty bad relationship songs. And I we've gone through a lot of band with that. Like Blink is supposed to be a funny band, but then you listen to most of the records, and it's like. They're not really. There's a lot of songs about being sad. Yeah, Blink has a lot of emo DNA. Yeah. The popular definition of emo, not emotional hardcore. Yeah, uh, yeah. I get it. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think Blink-182 was listening to much American baseball um, at the time. <laughs> Although I would like them to try and do the, the little matty, massy um, twinkle guitar. Blink-182 just all heard Thursday and thought, we need a new sound. <laughs> I wish. I wish. That would be really funny. I wish Blink went post-hardcore. That would be great. Uh, <sighs> there's no surf in Colorado, and uh, there's no thing else to say about this song. So, the next song is... Speaking of breakups, Life After Lisa... plan life after lisa <laughs> if we had a video format we could we could photoshop that 
But we don't. The last thing you need is my little avatar saying life after Lisa. <laughs> in a uh, puppet mouth style. But what if I rigged a what if I rigged a VTuber me? What if you VTube the Lisa Simpson? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Yardley Smith is gonna die soon. Someone's gotta take that role. When the, when the voice actor dies, the character goes um, in the public domain, I've been told. Ha! Uh, but yeah, again, as I mentioned, these people would enjoy, like, Colorado because they're waking up and baking. And I'm assuming it's not, uh, you know, I'm assuming it's not the, the quarantine bread type. It's not. They were also talking about getting high with the girl they were breaking up with last time. That is fair. Again, they do have that. They do have that look. Um. There is. This one does go a little sillier. Um. Yeah. I it's not as that. vengeful. Like, it's hey, you know, I've been I've been hung up on you for ages, and I'm finally getting better. Talking about all the scenarios and all the past, like, you stole my heart when Eddie Vedder was king. You left me for a drummer because you said I couldn't sing. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. There, there is one unbelievable thing, which is anyone leaving someone for a drummer. Like, that just doesn't happen. I'm sorry. That is ha. widely unbelievable. But yeah, no, there is, there is a bit of detail. There is a bit of, like, more playful lines. It's just... Not a remarkable song, otherwise, you know, like musically, like musically, all of this record, like it's good. Like they have an ear for pop melodies, but it all sort of sounds the same, and it's not helped by the fact that it's twenty tracks. Yeah, I think cutting this down would have made for a stronger everything. The verses of the song sounds like "Into Deep" by Sam Forty One. They're exactly the same, and uh, I think we should mention that. Oh my god, you're right. I just started humming it in my head, and yeah, that's... Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Just thought, you know, because like the first time I heard the song, I was like, oh god, this is something that already exists. And then I went to Into Deep, and it's just like, oh right, it's that very popular song that I'm sure no one had listened to at the time, despite being on MTV constantly. No more mountain climbing in the rain. No more long hair clogging up the drain. Uh, no more life will never be the same. Life after Lisa? I actually do enjoy the joke about saw you with the dude who gave us our first tattoos. Did he cover up my name? That was fast. <laughs> That was an actual hearty laugh from me when he delivered that one. Even broke the rhyme scheme to do it. Also, this one does close with uh, a good bit in the outro where he's just trying to mutter different things in the background of the song. And at one point he's just like, I'm out of rhymes, I've got to say. If this is what they develop, if this is where they become the comedy band, good on them.
let us talk about where to begin. This is officially the ballad zone now. We're entered oh, the ballad yeah. zone zone. And uh, this is not a... The bizarre. Yeah. This is not even a regular ballad. This is a hair metal ballad. Longest song on the record. By the way, I'm sort of like scrolling again through the songs on Spotify, and Spotify let me know that there is apparently a new Icona Pop record out. Hey, you've got something to reward yourself with when we're done here. Yeah. I don't know if that's a record or just a single. It's just a single, but I guess it's going to be a record eventually. Yay. But yeah, thank you, Spotify, for once you recommended something decent. Someday I'll use Spotify and maybe I'll be the one person it works for. Ah, Spotify, yes. The problem with me doing this podcast is that now Spotify, the, um, the discover new music function of Spotify just recommends me punk. <laughs> just recommends me pop punk because I do this podcast and... Uh, I don't know, it sort of lost their usefulness because I don't I like pop punk, I don't like a whole playlist full of pop punk. So what you're saying is I need to make two accounts if I start using Spotify. Yeah. One for the true Sybil and one for the punk Sybil. <laughs> pop punk Sybil, that's the that's a special skin that you unlock after you complete ten podcast run in uh in <laughs> Podcasts versus Capcom? I don't know where this joke is going. I was I was very curious what game you were going to plug me into for that. <laughs> I was I started a sentence and then I sort of went and improvised from that and I had no idea where I was going. To be fair, I thought it was just gonna be a Hades joke. Anyhow, where to begin? It's a ballad, it's a hair metal ballad. Uh, I feel we extensively covered pop-punk bands doing hair metal ballads and uh, it's never great. I don't even know where to begin, so let's talk about The Last Rock Show. Do you want to know a fun fact about The Last Rock Show? Please do! Uh, the Last Rock Show is a song featuring Malcolm in the Middle in the episode where they uh, sort of go to the family reunion and they discover that Hal's family is extremely rich, but to save the mental health of their parent, if I don't remember correctly, they just end up wrecking the party and their hope for a... Uh, um, What's the word? Money thing? Like inheritance. Yeah, inheritance. And when they go and wreck the party and they're like driving a golf club and just grabbing the the big towel from the table and then going into the pool, this is the song that plays almost in full. That's like, this is a one and a half minute 
And there's like a whole minute of the song in that episode. So here's a neat thing. And by neat, I mean it's terrible. I didn't know this was a one and a half minute song because the only version of it on their YouTube channel in the playlist for this album is a clip of them live at the Warp Tour where someone throws a sandwich at them on stage and they talk about how, no, we're not going to eat this. This sandwich is probably full of semen. And they just vamp for a bit. Then they play this song and leave. Okay. Um. Really weird energy. Yeah. I mean, don't throw sandwiches at people. Yeah. Let's go on to self-centered. <laughs> there's, there's nothing much to say about a one minute 30 thrash session. It's fun. Yeah, it was pretty the, good. The pseudo chorus or the hook, I guess, in this case, because it's not really a chorus, it's good. Because we're going out, we're going out in style. And uh, I will mostly remember this song from being in a very good episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Seriously, just go back and watch the show. It's still great. Look, I totally get it. I was just talking to someone the other day about how I can't hear Radioactive by Imagine Dragons without thinking of the end of a season of True Blood. <laughs> okay, I never watched True Blood, but that is an interesting just a position. Oh yeah, that was how they closed a year that ended with the uh, Vampire Plague. Oh, nice. Is that similar to the zombie virus in a zombie? No, it was a bloodborne ailment that could actually infect vampires made as a genetic weapon to try and kill them. Then it is like the zombie virus in a zombie. Oh, okay. That show got to weird places. It's not good, but... Neither is True Blood, so... Just imagine a show about a zombie detective... That slowly becomes about a post-apocalypse racism metaphor where the zombies are discriminated against. But it's also sort of Bioshock because then you've got evil people trying to rile up the zombies to be like, zombies are stronger and they should fight back. Imagine, uh, imagine a show that is about southern urban fantasy. And then by the end of it, it becomes about Rutger Hauer, King of the Fairies, and how he just fucking hates vampires. <laughs> that just sounds like a World of Darkness campaign. Every time Rutger Hauer showed up on True Blood, it was scenery-chewing bliss. But Grandpa, you could help, you could help cure the V. Yeah, but I fucking hate that guy, Sookie. I know that in True Blood they say Suki a lot. I don't know what that means, but... That's a character's name. Okay. Suki! Yeah, I know that is a thing they shout a lot, apparently. Were we talking about self-centered? Were we? Sure. Um, this song is very sarcastic, which is a shame, because, like, sometimes it's just a mood. I hope you mean the part other than the weird incel homophobia in the middle. 
Oh yeah, I'm just thinking of, I'm gonna feel sorry for myself, I want to blame it on everyone else, I want to be self-centered and make my and make everybody feel sorry for me. It's like mood, dude. Sometimes you have to self-care. Yeah, the part where I double-checked the lyrics uh, on my first listen was, She said he's really okay, I really hope that he's gay. It's not a nice thing to say, but I don't care anymore. Oh! Again, again with uh, with the great Billie Eilish stylings. Yeah. Again. 2002, not the worst thing you could say about any sort of thing involving queer people, but not an amazing take about anyone you'd want to get with. Boy, I really hope all your friends are gay so I have a chance. I mean, I know trans people who would say I really hope all your friends are gay, but for other reasons... Hell, I've known trans people who would say that so they have a chance of dating someone. That, that's that's the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. This this record, I'm realizing halfway through that this record already went out of my brain for a lot of it. So I'm just scanning the lyrics for something to say. There's a couple of these where all I have are the words lyrics repetitive. <laughs> or what a weird one. Uh. I am very curious about yo what the fuck is the sister line that I have written on an upcoming song. Let's get it let's get ahead here. Let's go to the hard way. This is the mean song. This is a really mean song. Yeah. I don't I don't have much else to say aside from wow, this is spiteful. Yeah. This is a dude who is going to blow his brains out or become a cop. Imagine that a baseball bat upside her TV. She says she needs some therapy. Dude. Oh, you're putting that right after seven months was just enough of putting up with me. And you know. Then the second half of it is seven months was just enough of putting up with her after she moved to Los Angeles. Your brand new nose and bigger boobs don't change a thing. Yeah, yeah. You need some therapy. I think you need some help, which is like, dude, that's like the fucking shittiest thing to say to someone. Especially when you've already admitted that you smashed up their shit while they lived with you. Well, I think the implication is that she smashed up the shit. I took that as he did it right after putting up with me. Who knows, maybe it's just supposed to be the lady's crazy this whole time, but either way, the singer sounds like a dick. Yeah, this is this is not great. Yeah. Why why 20 songs? Why 20? Why songs? These are not short songs. At least that should start shifting by 2004, right? Yeah, 20 songs is a lot, because these are not... I mean, a lot of bands that do really long record, like, again, we talked about Origami Angel, they do that because they're really short song. Like, it's a thing in, it's a thing in punk where you do, like, two-minute, one-minute songs, and then you put a lot of them. Um, the, the Suicide Machines had some record like this in their beginnings, but these are pop song-sized songs. These are, like, three-minute pop songs. You cannot do 20 of those. It's not gonna help anyone. 
Not you making a better record, not me enjoying this. Like, if this was a clean 10 songs record, maybe I'd be more, I'd remember more of it. But it is not. It's, it's 20 songs. Hmm. I guess we're gonna throw this record out of the window. For which my only note is the same as before, because this song just sounded like the hard way again. The only thing of note, which uh, this is one of multiple, hey, it turns out you're seeing someone, but I kept trying anyway, lines, was, uh, sorry I sent you all the flowers. I heard your boyfriend wants to shove them up my ass. I never meant to cause you problems, but I've got solutions in my head. Sure. It's such a that's such a total whiplash. Like, okay, this tracks, this tracks, hey, I fixed it. Just listen to me. Uh no. Uh, well I don't have anything on this one. I, yeah, I got nothing. I feel like in future I'm going to start preparing little bonus trivia or notes for bands like this where I can't come up with anything. Because, yeah, a lot of this back half is really samey. It is really samey, and there's very little high points, and uh, I guess it's uh, it's it's just past midnight, so it's officially called Shower Thursday now. Mm. All of that I said is a lie. We're not neither recording on a Wednesday, nor it's past midnight. It's currently 2 I don't remember this song, but my note on it is the streets are at it again, which I think applies to most of the record, but sure. I could definitely see that, because I don't know what the title is about. I don't know. And this one just goes all over the place. I only know that at, at the beginning I misheard the first line to something much funnier and uh, then I realized that it wasn't funny and uh, I gave up. Because the first line is her finger traced I love you in the palm of my hand. That's still on, on the only time. Um, for some reason I heard her finger traced I love you in the palm of my, in my, ass, of my asshole or something. Like something that sounded very like either anus or asshole. And I was like, oh, that's... Uh... The palm of my ass, yeah. Yeah. It was like, that is a good joke. The palm of my ass would be a lyric from Bowling for Soup. Uh, it would also make my belly hit the floor if you traced that. Yeah, you know what? I kind of like your version better. <laughs> right? I should be. I, I should go back in time and become a pop punk artist. Could make so much money. <laughs> I like how much of your plans today involve going back in time to change bowling for soup past. 
Look, I'm just saying, take bowling for soup, put him in the in a time travel movie, and you have a great straight to video just niche two thousand movie. Wait, hold on, I have to check. Are you checking if Bowling for Soup did a movie? I'm checking if they're on the soundtrack to Clockstoppers. <laughs> um, oh, the return of Clockstoppers. Bowling for Soup are not on Clockstoppers. All okay. right. Okay. Uh, anyhow, there's... I guess this is the actual most romantic track on the album. Yeah, it's also sort of a breakup song, though. It's a breakup song, but it's not a vengeful one. It's just like a lot of nostalgia about the last time we talked was this really nice conversation about all the things we had together. And then we drifted apart. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm just not a fan of the line, tell her I'm not sorry, mention my Ferrari, just don't tell her that I miss her. It's just like, like, I get it, but it's also like sort of weird. It's petty, but it's, you know, it also isn't a, I'm going to stalk this girl until I get her. I'm wearing her down thing. It's just like, hey, I, I just want her to know that I still think about her, but like, I'm I'm done with that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sad. Yeah, I guess. If we want to get weird with it, there's running from your dad. That one is certainly something. Yup. I love how the song that I guess is sort of an attempt at comedy sounds like when the Offsprings are doing the this very special episode of the Offspring kind of okay, song. Okay, so yeah, I also wrote this is just the Offsprings. We don't have sex anymore. To me, it sounds like the kids aren't alright. Like this sounds where the Offsprings are trying to do the serious song. At least to me. This sounds like, you know, the offspring trying to be serious, and it's a great contrast because the, the lyrics are very much not serious, but also they don't really land because they're sort of weird. Oh yeah, definitely the Christmas Eve bit. <sighs> yeah. If you are not reading the lyrics right now, the Christmas bit we're referring about is... Remember on Christmas Eve, you were crying. I guess you didn't really like my gifts. Porno DVDs and see-through underwear should have saved that for your sis. Yay! <laughs> that was definitely a thing. But yeah, the everything else in the song is just a chorus of I can still see your dad running after me with a shovel in his hand. La 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 la, over and over. And that's it. Turns out dad bashed his head in on Christmas Eve for that. Kinda earned it. I mean, yeah. I'ma just throw this out there. My family is pretty risque. 
none of us would hand each other porno and or underwear at the family Christmas. You save that. You put that in a stocking. <laughs> what? Sorry, it's but uh, you put it in a stocking as a general sentence is funny. And also like, you know, stocking and underwear, those are related words. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I accidentally made a pun. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even realized. I mean, it's funny even without that, but the pun adds like some sort of like dimension and like texture to it, which I appreciate. Silk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. This is probably one of my favorite songs because, again, when they get into comedy, it kind of works. I don't know. This specifically doesn't land for me because it's, it's not great. Like, not moral. It's just, you know, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's like, it's an absurd situation, but I don't think the delivery is particularly well done. It's not the hardest I've laughed. In fact, I didn't really laugh at it until I accidentally made a pun. But it's perfectly okay, and it's going for something much sillier than any of the others. Yeah, that is fair. And I guess it's interesting because the tone of the music is, like, the tone of the song is very serious. But the, the lyrics are actually sort of silly. But, I don't know, it's, it's a miss for me, but it's mostly because I just didn't find it that funny. Yeah. But now let's go to scaring myself. What I do every morning when I wake up. is about being in an abusive relationship. That's it. Yeah, I gave you my love, I got an STD. That is a line in this song. Yeah, it's not amazing about women. This really is just a weird one with extra misogyny on the side. Yeah, again, a lot of the songs in the back half start really blending into each other. And we already have 1 minute 44 of recorded stuff, so I don't really want to spend time of a song that I don't even remember. And it's very repetitive. Yeah, I mean, I mostly turned out after the STD bit. Uh, that's most of what the rest of the song is, it's just the chorus over and over. And uh, she has a boyfriend now. Guess if the boyfriend has an STD? <laughs> song about the girl that you like having a boyfriend now so you have no gf so you're sad they do just openly say it why does it always have to be guys like that always get to be the one she thinks the world of 
Why does it have to be? <sighs> Girls like that can't ever find someone. Someone like me. <laughs> oh, I love you, nice guys. Love you, nice guys. Um, Don't be this. Yeah, maybe because you think about uh, I gave you her love and she gave me an STD. Maybe that's the problem, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, yeah, we're we're struggling to find something to say, but there's a couple things on the back chunk. If we get there, where we'll have discussion. So let's go to greatest day. This is the song where I was like, where is the punchline here? And then there wasn't a punchline. It's just a song about having a good day. And it sounds like simple plan. Uh, this is one of my top three because it has an energy that a lot of other tracks don't. It's just really chill. Now, I can ruin it because you know what I just realized? These guys hung out with the SR-71 guy and... He continued to put out versions of non-toxic on every album where this is going to be my greatest day on this non-toxic ordinary day. It's the same song. He conned us all. God damn it. I blew it out of my own top three. Goodbye, greatest day. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I like how we're just speeding past these faster than the actual clips will play because there's nothing to say. <laughs> this record—it's not even bad. It's just like, well, they—they they make us—they do a song, and everything sort of sounds like that song, and it's not even—you cannot find a lot to say to say. Let's talk about our interlude song. It's overstuffed, like Chris Broly in that dress. Chris who? Chris Broly, isn't that the, um... From Dragon Ball? Oh, fuck. Broly is the guy from Dragon Ball. Um, what's his last name? It's B-something. <laughs> Maybe it's... Chris Bernie. Chris okay. Bernie. Okay. Yeah. I liked it better when I thought he was Chris Broly, because that's a really funny mental image in the dress. <laughs> I mean, Broly did wear a dress, if I remember, or a dress-adjacent kind of thing in the first appearance, so, I mean... I actually don't know what Broly looks like. I have not seen oh, a Broly. Google Broly. Let's have first reaction on how Broly looks like. Okay. I have Googled Broly dress. Oh my god, I can actually get a silk Broly, like, A-line dress. Just pretty... How... How much do I... This is a Dragon Quest hero! With the necklaces and these pants. I mean, you know who draw who has drawn Dragon I Quest, do, right? but it's still just like this is very blatant. I mean, everything is very blatant. Yo, I can get custom anime Jordans with Broly on them. 
Of course you can. Why not? Let's just go all <laughs> in on my terrible decisions today. I'm going to open these three tabs for later, and I am going to become the Broly. <laughs> Let's go to Punk Rock 101. Same song, different chorus. It's great that, I don't know, it's... I hope it's meant as self-deprecation and self-irony because, you know, this this record is very much same song, different chorus. Yeah. It's... So, to be talking about how everyone is saying, yeah, all pop punk sounds the same. It's become hot topic, homogenized, and every fan looks exactly the same. And then you put out drunk enough to dance is a wild bit of hubris. It's stupid, contagious to be broken famous. Can someone please save us from punk rock 101? My dickies, your sweatpants, my spiked hair, your new vans. Let's throw up our rock hands for punk rock 101. Again, don't diss it too much. That's our interlude. I sort of like this song. It sort of, uh... It, it references Living on a Prayer, which is a classic. So I approve. And, um... I don't know. It's weird because it definitely makes fun of the whole, like, punk of the time. And, like, pop punk and uh, sort of the emo scene. But there's not a lot of admittance that you're part of this. Which makes it weird. Like, I don't think Bowling for Soup consider themselves superior to all of that stuff, because honestly, if you ever see their, you know, their interview and their shit, they seem like dickheads, but like fairly humble dickheads that don't understand that what they're making is sort of like silly music for silly people. Well, for silly people, like silly music for, you know, teens and stuff. And uh, I don't think they... They see themselves as above at all that. I think they're aware they're part of that. But there is not much of an acknowledgement in the song, which makes if you don't know anything by if you don't know anything about bowling of soup for soup, it makes them sound like they feel superior about that in a void. It's very strange, and I can't tell if it's trying to crap on people who are just sorta of trying to live their life and getting into dead-end life, or... No one comes out happy in this, so it's like, am I supposed to be rooting for one side or another? Do you think these people are miserable the whole time? What's up? Yeah, it, again, satire needs clarity of purpose, and this is just sort of confusing. Because <laughs> here's how we close this story of this couple who are pretty terrible to each other and young, dumb, and broke. Seven years later, he works as a waiter, she marries a trucker, and he's never there. The story never changes, just the names and faces, like Tommy and Gina, they're living on a prayer. Which is not the first Bon Jovi reference. Mm. To be fair, this is the first Bon Jovi reference I approve of, living on a prayer. Actually like that song. Also, playing it in Guitar Hero? Great stuff. 
You know, I'm just not a Bon Jovi gal. Me neither, but I like that song. So, you know, mm-hmm. what you gonna do? I watched the whole of Supernatural. I've got more appreciation than I care to admit for that kind of cheesy 70s rock. And 80s, 70s and <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. Like, I'm not going to say I'm above it. I'm not going to say I won't sing along with it. And I also watched uh, all of Supernatural. The car had a soul, Ellie. Are you aware that Kansas look like they could all be hunters in the Supernatural universe at this point? Let me find you a picture of Kansas, because this was a thing I didn't know until... uh, So, before we went to work from home in 2020 at my last job, I would take walks around the area just on lunch because I had time to kill and I could use some exercise. And it was a good, happy thing. And at one point, they put up a billboard saying that Kansas were going to be touring and doing shows. And you were like, what? The whole state? Well, I looked at them and I'm like, can't be that same Kansas. And then I looked at what Kansas looks like in, I guess at the time, 2020. Let me just show you this picture. Okay. These men look like grizzled hunters. (laughs) I mean, one of them has an eye patch, which is the most fucking badass hunter thing possible yeah i mean i'm the pretty one sure on the, one of them the, had a sword on the photo on the billboard too i mean the one of the, on the far right sort of just looks like worst um what's the name of the dear one direction manager dude Ooh, ooh, uh, simon cowell yeah yeah looks the, the one on the right just looks like you know Skinnier Simon Cowell, but I could see it for the other one. Well, no, his hunter name is Simon Scowl. <laughs> that was terrible. Thanks. I appreciate it. Speaking of terrible, let's talk about this cover of Iran. I walked along the avenue. I never thought I'd meet a girl like you. Meet a girl like you A rock cover of a song that doesn't doesn't get covered much, therefore it's not overplayed, it's not like super obvious, and it's not anything special, but it's like it's a rock cover of Iran, especially exactly what I was expecting, and it didn't really disappoint. Iran by Flock of Seagulls, is that their name? A Flock of Seagulls, yes. Uh, It's actually a really good song. Sort of one of those 80s songs that is not super remembered, but was big at the time, as far as I know, and for a reason, it's a really nice synth-pop song. And I don't know, this is good. I, I enjoyed this, it was different, it didn't have much, you know, weird jokes or misogyny in it, which I appreciated. 
Unless so, I didn't look at the lyrics close enough. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I just can't jive with it because I've heard punk covers of it that work. And I'm also a giant Flock of Seagulls fan. I think that whole album, top to bottom, is just excellent. Uh, I am very much the kind of person who will still catch themselves whistling photograph uh, every once in a while. This is the ne- the next track is the one that I did not listen to Star Song. Oh, I listened to Star Song. It's uh, it starts sounding like another spiteful song. I recommend you looking at the lyrics. So you know it starts sounding being like oh you 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 wear a b- b- first belly button or something, but you also wear another one. But you say that like oh you know only person that go to bed with you can see it. Blah blah blah, and you're expecting given the past. Of the rest of this record, you expect, you know, our friend Jared to go off on this lady. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like, no, you're cool. Just do you. Be yourself. Be a star. It's like... Nice. It's like, what band are we, like, dealing with right now? <laughs> it, it, it very much feels like an entire different energy from the rest of the record. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's not a bad song. It's just sort of cheesy. Like, whatever. And um, it's a weird tonal shift. This is very weirdly wholesome based on everything on this album. Yeah. It's so Hmm. weird. And... uh, I don't have anything else to say to this, so we can talk about the next song, which yeah, is... Yeah, sorry, I can't... I can't... You can't? I, I can't offer anything, having not heard this one. I'll listen to it later. no problem at all. Spotify listing is weird because the last song should be Belgium, but that song wasn't on the record so I just listened to the Mountain Goats Your Belgian Things from uh, We Shall All Be Healed. Best song of the record, of this record, if it was on this record. Um, so Belgium is acoustic on this Oh, album. Your Belgian Things is also acoustic. 
It has this really sweet guitar, like very gentle. And John Darnielle is talking about someone who probably died, but like from the perspective of someone who's seeing their things being taken away and probably wasn't that close to them. And it's really weirdly melancholic. And there's like this firmness, but also like lots of sadness in the voice. And it's really quiet. It's really gentle. It's really well written. Like they waltz right through the door and went fluorescent. It's like a wonderful line. Um, is this anywhere close to that? Nope. In fact, this actually makes it clear just how much they need production because this acoustic version is really poor quality. Uh, apparently, this song is Bowling for Soup's non-toxic because it has appeared on nearly every album they've ever done Remixed over and over and over. Non Belgium, ordinary place. So, this came out on their second studio album. It then showed up on an EP, on their third studio album, on this one as an acoustic version, on their next album in the form of a boy band remix, on a live album where they played it live and on their eighth album as Belgium Polka featuring a different artist as guest. Weird Al Jankovic? No, Brave Combo. I don't know who that is. Okay. And apparently there was supposed to be yet another version of this on a 2011 album, but they did not have enough time to record the same song for a seventh variety. The lyrics just make it seem like a very boring song about a breakup, if I'm just scrolling to them right now. Yeah, it's very, um, it's another ballad. And you already know how we felt about their ballads. Yep. Yep. Are there two other songs that you've listened to? Because this is the end of the official playlist, of the official track list. This is where it ends on YouTube. Okay, because you mentioned you listened to 21. Yeah, I, I knew I had counted something wrong. I don't know how I got that off my notes. Okay, well, this is the end of the record. Men were here to get your Belgian things. They'll spend the whole day hauling them downstairs. I shot a roll of 32 exposures. My camera groans beneath the weighted bear. See you in my sleep Playing with points for all your work Walking gingerly across The bruised Do you have any final thoughts? I definitely know how I got the idea of them as a comedy band. I don't know how I didn't know how they were, like, frattier than lit. And who in God's name thought you needed 20 tracks? Yeah, that is a good question. I I don't know. Like, 20 tracks again. This it... is one of the most exhausting albums we've covered in months. I wasn't exhausted because everything sounds fine. It's listenable, but... 
I definitely by some point just didn't have anything interesting to say a lot about a lot of this. Like, 20 tracks is a tradition for like hardcore bands who make like one minute songs. Not for you, Bowling for Soup, who make three minute pop songs. Anyhow, this record is fine. Uh, I, I don't know how to comment on it because it's extremely plain but not in a terrible way. I could listen to this in the background. As soon as you listen to the lyrics, they're, they're a mess. Um, are they um, are they averagely more than a mess than usual for this podcast? I don't know. Yes. Yeah? Usually we'll have one or two weird lyrics. There was something on nearly every track here, out of 20. That is fair, but we're not on the level of song here. I guess. I guess we can definitely say that it's sort of like upper medium tier of uh, what the fuck, dude. Just actually go to a therapist. Um, I think that we're in for a real pleasant time with Bowling for Soup down the road. But right now, they can just sit here and stew, if you'll allow me the pun. So this was the episode, and uh, and my chair is squeaky. So this was the episode, and if you want to find us, you can go at our website, getoutofthistown.com. And this episode is long, so I think we can just ask Sybil if she has anything to plug today. Hellscaper.com is my website. And you can find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon, and uh, if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon, but... I don't know. We're gonna open some soup company that sells bowling soup. That is alphabet soup, but bowl, bowling balls? I'm just gonna steal Sybil joke here. Um, yeah, that is, that, that is the end of the episode. The episode is ending here. Have a good night. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your life. And please stay have hydrated because the weather is scorching today. Goodbye. Bye.